Hello, friends. Welcome to Living Well While Living Online, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. This is a self-care podcast offering conversation around our daily struggles and successes related to living your best life. With our ever-changing world and now the impact of a pandemic, we have had to adapt new practices and routines which have thrown us all for a loop. Managing our health and well-being is a practice for all of us, and we are just trying to do our best to figure it all out. You're about to listen to episode four. My guest this week is Fred Hoffman, an international fitness presenter and consultant. Our conversation is framed around his COVID life and self-care as it relates to Paris, where he is currently living. Fred shares his new practice of nightly Facebook posts, which has been a beautiful glimpse of the ups and downs that he has been encountering, as well as what's happening in his community and in the country. I'm Tammy Riley, the host of this podcast. I'm also the director of fitness and well-being at Quinnipiac University and an international fitness presenter. This podcast is being produced by Michael Bachman and executive producer is David DeRoche. I am really happy to spend some time with you building your self-care toolbox and enhancing your resiliency. Please stay tuned for my conversation with Fred Hoffman this week. Welcome back to this episode of Living Well While Living Online. I'm your host, Tammy Riley, and I have the pleasure today of chatting with my friend and colleague, Fred Hoffman. Fred is coming to us from France. So uh, we have a little time difference today, and he will chat all about that. Um, I really want to welcome him. I'm so excited to have him. He's not only uh, the owner of the Fitness Resources Consulting Services Company, but also the author of Going Global, an Expert's Guide to Working Abroad in the International Fitness Industry. So, so important in this day and age for all of us. Also a a consultant and every facet of fitness, um, as well as working in the U.S. and abroad where he lives. So Fred and I have been connected uh, through a couple of of means out there, and we can definitely circle everyone back with that. But Fred, thank you so much for being willing to chat with me today. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I've known you for a few years now. Fred and I actually met in India, which is uh, so fun. And that's what I love about this world is you and I had been chatting earlier. You know, the second you go out and present at a conference or do the next thing and you're learning in our industry, you have a whole different community out there. And gosh, to be out there and and work with you, although you were from the U.S. originally, you're living in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to meet in India and connect uh, was just so great. So please just give us a, a quick little bio, maybe about how you ended up there or whatever you'd like to share with our Quinnipiac community. Sure, sure. So actually, I think that trip to India was already about eight years ago, if I'm not wrong. Probably. It's crazy <laughs> that the time goes by so fast. So uh, again, thanks for having me, Tammy. I really appreciate it. And yes, I'm in Paris. It's uh, we have a six-hour time difference. It's not too bad. But um, I grew up in Syracuse, New York, and I went to school in Boston. I went to Northeastern University for my undergrad. I have a bachelor's in respiratory therapy, and I have a master's in health education from uh, Boston University. And I got into the fitness industry in Boston. Uh, just by chance. I wanted to get in shape. There was a place there at the time called Joy of Movement. And they were the first place, it was mostly dance, but they were the first place that did an organized aerobics class, if you want, exercise class. 
And I ended up being someone that was one of those, you know, students in the front row every day. I had favorite teachers. And um, one day, one of the teachers was sick. She called me. I was already at the studio because, of course, I was there early and asked if I could substitute her class. And I had never taught before. But a friend of mine was there who also was like me, was there early, was at every single class. And she drove me home. We had enough time to get my albums. albums. <laughs> I didn't even have cassette tapes at the time. So I'm sure some people who listen to this can't even relate. But yes, it was a long ago. And I came back to the class and I basically taught her class movement by movement. But it was well received. And then I started substituting classes and started teaching basically as a hobby. At the time, just to give a, another, I'll try to make this brief, I was actually teaching at Northeastern because I started to teach in the uh, undergrad program when I was still going to school in um, the clinical aspect of respiratory therapy. So I was taking students into the hospital, Mass General, Beth Israel, and we were doing clinical application of respiratory therapy. So I was doing that and then starting to teach fitness as a hobby. And what ended up happening was I had an uh, um, opportunity that was proposed by my, my, the director of the program at Northeastern to go to Italy, to the National Cancer Institute to, it was basically like a six month grant to teach physical therapists what we were doing currently in respiratory therapy. So I ended up going and I tell this story just because it kind of changed my life. It's my mm. first time in Europe. I really liked respiratory therapy, but at that time in my life, I had pretty much the choices of going into continuing in education or going into management or research. And I really wanted to be a clinician. I didn't feel like I was ready to just do a nine to five job with a tie and briefcase and all that. And I've been doing fitness. And so when I came back after those six months, not only having the experience of being in Europe, I kind of looked at things differently. And I ended up deciding to just do fitness until I figured out what I was going to do with my life. And um, yeah, unexpected move and ended up making a career in the fitness industry. Yeah, which is not easy. I mean, those of us in it, it is not easy to oh. do. And I, I definitely think many people have your same story. No one sets out to kind <laughs> yeah. of have this massive career in fitness. I think it's like, oh, my instructor didn't show and now I have to sub. And the next thing you know, it, it's you don't realize it's something you're so passionate about. Um, and I think it does bring out, that's exactly the same story that happened with me. It brings out something in you that you didn't know that you had. And you're like, oh my God, I never even thought about this. But I think for you too, as I'm just hearing this, you're um, the natural partnership of what you had studied in school with respiratory therapy. I mean, oh my gosh. And now you're delivering cardiovascular exercise. So right. you, you knew so much more than the average instructor, especially at that time, like certifications, like they were there, but they certainly aren't what they are now. So <laughs> we, we would get limited resources and be out off and running. And you had a whole background on that. Yeah, and I, I believe that that's been uh, very helpful in the success of my career because one, I had the background in, you know, heavy in science and cardiopulmonary physiology and anatomy, but also I had a master's in, in health education. So it all came full full circle because mm. later on, when I ended up moving to Paris and started to uh, to teach more, I started to do workshops and teacher training programs, more education. So. It was interesting because it wasn't planned, 
but it did come full circle and it all really helped me because I was definitely with my background, I was more credible when I was speaking and when I, you know, people would ask me questions, Uh, even if I didn't know the answer, I could refer to them, refer them to something or somewhere. And, uh, you know, that kind of was based on my background from my university studies. Yeah, which is fabulous. And obviously, I mean, not everybody knows your background, but your credibility is huge in the fitness industry on so many boards. I mean, you've been a mentor to so many people. You're very sought out, you know, and to have a 35 year career in fitness and still be sought out, like that's huge. I don't know. You. you know, I always laugh and say like, we're one step away from, from Jane Fonda. Right. You know, but, but you're, you're still there. You're relevant. You're still working in the field. You're still finding a way to reach the masses. And that's just such a credit to who you are. Um, so yeah, congratulations. I do want to know, how you ended up, so we've never talked about this, but how did you end up in Paris? Like what made you yeah. leave the U.S. and end up like, cause you live there. You're, you're there. That's your gig. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. So I'll make it a condensed story again. <laughs> uh, after that original stint in Italy, I had a, a good friend in Boston actually, who, when I was here, when I was in Italy, the last couple of weeks before I came back to the States, I traveled and she came and traveled with me. And then one day she was a little crazy and one day she came to my apartment when i was in boston and said i found this apartment to rent in paris we need to go there but out of the blue i mean we'd never even spoken about it and make a long story short my best friend and this friend and myself sublet an apartment in paris and it was for five months and um i before going i had made some connections with people in Paris through some people in Boston. They said, oh, you need to contact this person in this health club in Paris, which I did. American woman who I'm still friends with here. She lives in Toulouse. She married a French guy and made her life here. And um, just said, you know, I wanted to have a place to work out or maybe teach. So I started working out there. And no, no, what happened was, I remember I approached the boss when she introduced me and said that I would do an exchange to teach two classes a week for use of the gym Mm -hmm. and he agreed to it and then about two weeks later he came up to me and said well your classes are really well received i'd like like you to teach two more and i said yeah but the deal was two classes for the use of the gym and he said well i'll pay you for the other two so um that's how that started and i stayed another month and a half i believe and then i started coming back and forth not too often but for example this friend of mine the one down in toulouse carla she contacted me i think the year after christmas time or before christmas said i'm coming back to the states for six weeks would you be willing to come and stay in my apartment take care of my cats and i'm not a cat fan um (laughs) and teach my classes so i said sure great so at that time you know I, i i was excited to go and even though it was winter it was cold and i had cats and there's a whole story behind that as well. The bathroom wasn't even in the apartment. It was like in the oh. hallway, you know, I mean, but she's American. She didn't tell me. Anyway, you got to do what you got to do. And um, interesting, during that that particular time, someone from Geneva, Switzerland, was, was taking some classes, came up to me, introduced himself and said, we're kind of scouting for some guest instructors and we'd like to invite you. And so I said, oh, wow, cool. So I made this connection to Switzerland and the next time that I came back, I went to Switzerland and I just came back and forth and my life in Boston was good, but I started to have this feeling of, wow, you know, Paris, I'm getting to know people. I'm starting to speak some of the language. I had these opportunities in Switzerland and um, that connection got a little stronger. 
and, and what ended up happening, I'll tell you this just to, to finish this part of the story, is that in Boston, I was renting space in a studio on Newbury Street. Some of you mm. know Boston. At the time, it was called Room to Stretch. And the owners of Room to Stretch came up to me one day and said, we want to sell the business and we think you'd be the right person to take it over. So here I had this opportunity, but then I was feeling like, oh, I really want to explore Paris without a true plan. And so I really thought it over and I said, if I accept this proposal in Boston, that means a big commitment, obviously, to make a business work. And I ended up deciding to not take the, that opportunity and to come to Paris. So I took about nine months to get everything organized, get my working papers here. I sublet my apartment in Paris, uh, sorry, in Boston. And um, I decided to come here and I thought if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, I go back home. Wow. And talk about, you know, epic decisions and choices, because, you know, as a fitness professional, owning your space kind of is what we think we're working towards, you know, and here it is like dropped in your lap on Newberry Street of all places, like the hub, you're like prime real estate. And then you're like, "Mm, but then I can't really go to Paris. And that's huge, though, right? If you're, yeah, you know, and Tammy, to be honest, like when I think about it now, I don't even remember a lot of the logic and the decision making. And, it, and my life in Boston was good. I had a lot of friends. I had a great apartment. Work was good. You know. So it wasn't like I was looking to move to Europe. And it wasn't like it was a goal of mine when I was a young kid, because I know some people have those type of goals. And that, I think, is part of my story as well, which we can talk about a little bit later. But I always say to people, if they can, to seize the opportunities. And this was an opportunity. I didn't take the opportunity of opening the business, but I took the opportunity of of being able to live in Europe, not knowing mm-hmm. what that was going to be. And on that note, the first year was very tough because, you know, you have this, this idea of, wow, I'm living in Paris. And then you get here and I didn't speak the language that well. The Parisians can be tough. The weather wasn't great. I wasn't making that much money. Luckily, I, I was in an apartment. It's a friend of mine in Boston who had an, has an apartment here and he had a business between Boston and Paris. So I, you know, didn't have to sign a lease. I just paid him rent. and But the first year was tough. And um, what ended up happening was the beginning of the second year, Reebok launched Step Aerobics. Oh, yes. Oh, and yes. so <laughs> I was in the right place, right time. The U.S. team came and uh, they were coming through Europe and they were doing workshops and then they were doing auditions. And honestly, just by chance, the 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 guy who was my boss at the gym here in Paris said, Oh, tomorrow we're going to, you know, this thing, this new thing called the step. I never even heard of it. And March come with us. Cause it was launched in the States just a year before, but it hadn't made it that big yet. Mm. And so I went and it was Jen Miller. For those of you who, you know, don't know, she was the creator of step joy Prouty, who's still a friend and a mentor who works for Zumba now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lorna and Peter Francis, they were, you know, were doctors who also did a lot of the research and the, you know, it was really fun. And then I went up to them, started talking to them. I said, oh, well, you know, tomorrow there's auditions come. So <laughs> I, was fired. I was the only American on the French team. And it just snowballed from there because it was like the heyday of fitness. And we just started doing work all over the place in France. And uh, it improved my skills in French <laughs> as well. That really was, though, that was kind of the epicenter and with Reebok. And so for people who don't know and they think of Reebok as the clothing 
you know, uh, company and also now CrossFit. Wow. But back in the day, Reebok was Reebok University and they they took group exercise under their wing and gave it the the science yeah. and then gave it these formal certifications. And they had the um, these most amazing trainers. I mean, Reebok Resolution was my favorite day yeah. of the year. Wow. It was, that was a one day fitness conference that they put on. And, in, you know, and fitness conferences are a huge business now, which is a whole other side story. But back then it was sort of just you know, coming to happen and it had these young professionals. So it's very funny that here it was so competitive to get on these teams and you're the American out there and like, you're like, oh, I'll go tomorrow. Like, I don't even know what it is. Okay. And you're, and now there you are. But yeah, um, it, was, it was pretty wild. So uh, anyway, just I'll, I'll quickly fast forward then we can talk about other things. But what ended up happening was we were very lucky here that we had training every couple of months because they were rolling out new programs. So the team, there were, there were different teams in each country. So we would have a training in Amsterdam, you know, and then a couple months later in Madrid and in London. And we got the, this whole team was built of all the European trainers. And I think that's a message I like, I'd like to communicate to your listeners too, is it was, it became a community and I am in touch with so many of those people still today. Some of them are not even in the fitness industry anymore. Some of them are, but they have, you know, gone to do many other things, open businesses or clubs but it was all about community. And so mm -hmm. what ended up happening was I started getting invited to go to some other countries as a guest instructor. And then Jim Miller actually filmed uh, some television programs here in Europe for Eurosport called Step Reebok. And a lot of us on the teams were some of the member, the cast members. So something that we didn't know, it, this, these were being broadcast like in the Middle East and in uh, South Africa and different places. And one day I came home and I got a fax, a little fax, if you remember what fax machines are. <laughs> Albums and fax, you're internet, really, really right? dating yourself. <laughs> and, um, and it was somebody from Reebok Middle East inviting me to go to Oman, O-M-A-N, Oman. And it's I gorgeous. Remember, right? And I remember looking at it saying like, wow, this is so cool, but like, where is it? <laughs> like now I'm much more of a seasoned traveler. I had no idea. And so that started, I started doing some work in the Middle East, went to Saudi Arabia three times, you know, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, way before it was Kuwait, you know, mm -hmm. Oman a couple times. And, and, th and it just snowballed. And we did so much work internationally. And then I ended up becoming one of the global master trainers. And uh, yeah, it was an unexpected career. But again, I took opportunities. So I think that's another message to tell people. Of course, I was able to do that. I was single. I didn't have a family. I know that's not always easy for people that do. And, um, you know, I, I, again, feel that the community part really plays a big role because, one, you can network and also you develop friendships with people that help you along the way and you can help. So that's one big message I'd like to, to communicate to everyone. Oh, a hundred percent. I love both of those things. And I, those are definitely noted on my little sheet right here, but you know, you don't, you don't, you can't understand at the time when you're kind to someone, when you're making a friend, when you just stay connected, how that can benefit you as, as your years go on. Right. And so some of your best friends were from that time who could have ever imagined. Yeah. Right. And, um, it is one of my things, which I've spoke about already on this little podcast. One of the things that kind of gets me through is every day I said, I'm open to all opportunity and all possibility. Like I know for myself, I have to live 
in with that mindset because you never know what's going to be dropped in your lap. And so many people are like, oh, I'm afraid of that, or that's not my path, or that's, you know, and I think you and I are similar in that I never started out to have this huge career in fitness or to have fitness be the bulk of what I did. I mean, I have a degree in sociology and a master's in professional leadership. Like this, yeah. I didn't know, but I've just been open and like everything I've done has been so incredible. And the people, just like you're saying, our community is really amazing, really yeah. amazing. Yeah. Okay. Just like this you, your, your, also your degrees help you and what you do. So. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, oh, like no education is ever wasted. I mean, that's, I think one thing that's really important, even when you don't set out for something like this, all right. of the other lessons are setting you up. Um, I would love for you to give someone or give our listeners the idea of, okay, post the craziness happens. And for you, it was more the end of February. For us, it was like mid-March. But post that, what was your typical day like as far as work goes? Were you, I mean, we've already established you have a, a global community and you are a global professional. So you probably did a decent amount online or connection, but what would your normal day be like? How much time were you spending on all of these devices and apparatuses and apps, all these things that, you know, you and I talk about are, you know, from the albums to, <laughs> to podcasting, we've come a long way. Right, so right. Um, what was your typical day like as far as any of that went? Well, let me just preface this with a lot of my work is still international. So I, you know, I do a lot of conferences. So I, I don't teach on a regular basis in Paris. I don't do as much work in Paris. Mm -hmm. So I work from my home office anyway. So one thing that didn't really change for me was being home, where I know that was difficult for a lot of people. That didn't change. What changed in being home was that I didn't have my outlets like going to the gym right. um, or just being able to go out that much. We were in Paris and France. We were pretty much in, in total lockdown. I mean, we could go out to go to the grocery store, one hour of activity, which yeah. eventually they, they made it during specific times of the day and you couldn't be very far from your home. We had to go out with either, in the beginning it was a printed out paper um, that we had to fill in with the time that we left our house. We had to go out with our ID and then they were able to, you were able to actually download it on your phone. But it was strict, which actually helped us in the long run. So basically I wasn't going out at all. Luckily, where I live outside of, in, I have this big courtyard outside of my building. It's part of my building, but it's outside. So I was able to go out and do my own workout. Um, there's a couple of sets of stairs that I was just doing like a HIIT training. And I, I've got, you know, as most fitness people, I've got like a, you know, stability ball. I've got all this stuff at home. So I was doing my own workouts. But um, work-wise, yes, I was on my devices you know, my phone, my iPad, and uh, my, my laptop. And work for me kind of stopped. Right. And I was waiting to hear on certain events if they were going to be uh, happening. Because, for example, three of my events were this month. One was in South Korea, which was supposed to be taking place next week. Another one in China and another one in Moscow. And wow. so, yeah, they all were obviously canceled. Korea, actually, they're holding their event for the Koreans. All of the, we had an option to go if you want. This is an interesting story. I'll just tell you this quickly. Um, we could have gone. We would need to stay in quarantine for 14 days and, uh, or film at home, which I opted to do. 
Okay. And I did, it did cross my mind to go to quarantine. I thought, well, that might be an interesting experience. But I thought, no, I can imagine what the conditions, even though it'll be good, but it's going to be basic, can't do anything. And one of my colleagues is there right now doing it. And this morning, I got an email from the organizers in Korea. And because their cases have been going up, they have now <gasps> postponed it to November. Oh, no. And so you have somebody. Colleague, yeah. So my oh. colleague is there. I think it's a sixth day. But he has a niece that's there. So that was, he had another, you know, reason to go. So after his quarantine, I think he can visit with her. So anyway, backing up for me, I was waiting to find out about work. But the interesting thing for me that was different, I think, than the States, and I want to share this, is that the French government reacted very differently. And one, they immediately locked us down, but they also, you know, our healthcare system is very good here. So we didn't have to worry so much about that being taken care of. And the other thing is, they immediately said they were going to support all businesses. Mm-hmm. So it was easier for me to feel like, okay, we're all in this together. We're all going through the same thing. None of us are, you know, we're all losing out on employment. I know the French government's going to help me. And so it was easier on the mind mm-hmm. to say it's okay that I'm not working. But then, of course, you have those moments when you're saying, wow, what am I going to do? So a couple things, and I think this is good for your listeners to know as well. I also do writing. I write for some different organizations, and I had a couple articles that were due, so I knew I would get some money from that as well. And a couple of the events, like this one from Idea Korea and one that's coming up in the States in uh, October, they went virtual. So I was still going to be able to make some money, but then it was just the way we were going to do the convention or the conference was going to be different. And some of them, some of the sessions were cut because it just wasn't practical. For example, one of my sessions was a circuit training. Well, it's not going to be easy to do virtually. I don't have the equipment in my apartment, et cetera, et cetera. So my day was, I mean, I I always felt like I was busy. I was learning a lot about a lot of different things, not just in the fitness world. I was taking advantage of a lot of different podcasts, webcasts, even things like things like my bank, who were doing periodically these, you know, podcasts, live streaming basically, to reassure people and just tell people what the market was doing and wow. what we could expect. Yeah, it was really I was really impressed. That's so, so fabulous. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, there were things like that that I took advantage of and I learned about it. It was also reassuring. And um, you know, I just participated in a lot of things. I felt also like my day was, you know, went by really fast. Interesting, interesting. I think it's funny how that, even for me too, um, I did find that the day went by really quickly. And yeah, for whatever reason, if it shouldn't have, right? You think you're home all day and you have it moved, like the day would drag on, but really. So I know for me, part of that was my routine. And I don't know, you know, if you did that as well, but I instantly was like, I still get up at the same time. Okay. I'm a morning workout person. Okay. And my bedtime is this. And, uh, you know, you and I chatted, you wanted to stay up for something late last night, but you, but you didn't. Cause you're like, okay, then I would be exhausted and dragging the next day. I'll tape it and watch it the next day. You know, those little things, I think. Not everybody did intuitively. But but I have to be honest, because I I didn't always, because my, I did not, is what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, my routine was that I was very regular with my workouts, but they weren't mm-hmm. always at the same time of the day. I ended up staying up late. My <laughs> hour, so my hours did get a little, and I still would try to get up 
early-ish. So I, it wasn't like they got shifted and I was staying in bed till noon, but I was tired a lot because I was going yeah. to bed at like three and four in the morning wow. and getting up, yeah, getting up at like seven thirty. Because the other thing that happened was I, you know, I'm, I'm quite active on social media. I'm still maybe old school that I use Facebook a lot, but that's where I have a lot of the people that I communicate with, mm-hmm. and um, I was, you know, back and forth. Plus, totally by chance, I started. I just started posting. And I started posting when we went into lockdown. And um, I know, Tammy, you've seen some of these. But mm-hmm. I just started talking a little bit about what was going on daily and posting photos. And when I would wander out and show how, how the streets of Paris were completely empty and take videos and all this. And also, I was, getting, I was getting feedback from people, and especially people in the States who were amazed at what was going on, fascinated, but also had questions and were you know, concerns and needed reassurance. So I continued to do that. And that took a lot of time. Um, It became kind of a, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, What's the right way that I forget how you say that in English? Well, well, for me, um, as the outsider looking into this, I'm going to say you built a little community. It seemed very cathartic. Like it was something that you needed, right? It was like journal. It was like you journaled every day, but you journaled to all of us. And so, yes, I followed. I mean, I was even on today. Today was day 97 that you posted of post-confinement. So Fred actually, yes, you have confinement, which was 55 days, right? Right. And then post-confinement and he's at day, this might be 98. You haven't posted yet, or maybe this is still 97, but you're right. It was, it was so compelling it like it pulled you in because every day there was like a photo or two every day it was like how someone just managed the simple things of their day right so it seems mundane but you need to hear what other people are doing again so for me it was like oh okay I, I'm normal. He's normal. Like we're doing this together. Um, it was, you know, sadness. It was about the roller coaster of what you missed. It was going out and seeing the the, the isolation and the oh, desolation crazy. out there. And um, you also included statistics, which yeah. not many people were doing. And that to me was so informative. And it was all around, you know, Europe of what the stats were at the time, as well as in the US, because now we added and and that was happening. But um, but you always also ended the same way with how everyone always, you know, shared their thanks and their gratitude to the healthcare providers. Yeah. And so you had this very it it is to me like like it was your daily journal, yeah, but we absolutely. got to be privy to it. Yeah, and, and the thing about that was I learned a lot from doing it because I was seeing what was happening. One thing here was that our government was very, very proactive in communicating. So every day there was a press conference from the Minister of Health. Day to day, I was seeing what was happening. And things were evolving so quickly here, not just in France, but also in Europe. And then, of course, I could see in parallel what was happening in Asia and in and in the States, etc. So I was learning about so much that was going on and I wanted to share some of that and also for people to be able to learn from it. Some of it was cathartic. There were a couple of times that I remember one time uh, some famous musician here died and I remember losing it a little bit and having a, you know, like having a, a good cry, but it was, mm-hmm. just, you know, I, I, and, and I don't always share that because I know some people, you know, put their heart on their sleeve and they share everything on social media. I share a lot because I share my professional life and my, my personal life and social but it was a few times, yeah, I felt that way. And also because I'm, I'm single, I, I live alone. I have a lot of friends here. You know, it was staying in touch with my friends here. That's another thing because I could see what was happening elsewhere and with different friends 
who their support system was. Mm. And I have a support system and I, I'm used to being alone. So I wasn't like, it was, oh, woe is me, I'm all alone. But yeah, there were those times when it was also like, I can't have that social interaction like I usually do with my friends or hugging or, you know, in France, we always kiss cheek to cheek. <laughs> so all that stuff. And it was important. And at one point, my best friend who lives just around the corner from me, we decided to take that hour that was allotted when we could go out for physical activity. And we weren't even really doing physical activity. We were just walking just to be out. We were social distancing, but we were walking with our masks on and just talking and exploring different parts of the neighborhood that we could where we hadn't been. So, you know, you, you just learned the ways that were, you know, important to you to, to survive to some extent. I mean, I knew survive, I mean, not just physically survive, but mentally, because mm. it was tough, you know, it was, it was interesting. I think that that's huge and, and really like where we're going to shift this. So that idea of, of physically, you, physical is always a part of your life. Same for me. It's not effort. You know, a lot of people need a trainer to teach them or that class and those things help. And I love those. So don't get me wrong. And I know you do too, because I know you were taking Pilates online and, but we also are self-motivated, we're, we're self-motivated, right? So we're going to get our workout in and we have the, the means and the wherewithal to do it. But mentally, I think even for us, who knows? So I love that you did have the support around the corner and then you found a way to physically connect, not, not touching. We know you were, you obeyed all the rules, but to, you know, we needed that. Like, oh my gosh, just the zoom meeting wasn't enough to just see somebody on a screen. So it is so beautiful how you did have somebody nearby. And we were doing those zoom like cocktails too, (laughs) (laughs) which was fun. You know, we did it as well, different groups of friends. Yeah. I mean, and that was nice too, right? Because we probably Zoomed with people we hadn't seen in a while, or maybe we couldn't because we didn't live near each other. So it was nice, but there's still something about knowing that person is around the corner, right? Having a support system and and when you can't physically see, and your whole family is here in the US, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're distant from the people who are going through it here. And, you know, when you're seeing things on the news screen, and, and I know this from my travels, like, you know, it's scary looking at the U.S. and what's happening when you're somewhere else. And you're like, my family's in the middle of that. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 So even those things came to mind where I thought, you know, before I could just if I needed to, I could just get on a plane this afternoon and fly back to the States if I needed to do so. And all of a sudden the reality of that was, wow, can I? Plus, there was a moment when there was a ban, you know, the initial ban of Europeans into the U.S. Mm -hmm. I still could have come because I actually, you know, I'm American, but I do have French nationality now, but I would have traveled on my American passport, but then I would have had to quarantine like I would now as well. So yes, I could go back, but it was, and the other thing was, you know, I don't have health insurance in the States. So my feeling was like, wow, what if I got sick there? You know, I'd have to be repatriated back here. And, um, no, there were a lot of different things that came to mind and, Things that never did before. It was very interesting. Yeah. The whole thought process changed. It's not as simple as, you know, we, we, we take for granted that it is simple that we could get on a plane and be home within, you know, half a day or 24 hours if we had to. And now here, you know, you don't even have that ability, which is kind of scary, you know, to think, you know, that control, that, that control is taken away. You no longer have a choice. The world's changed, you know? Yeah. Um, Doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It just has changed and we have to adapt accordingly. So. 
What, um, when you hear the term, which we, we definitely use a lot, I mean, I know use it a lot, like self-care. So what does that mean for you, I guess, in your life in general, and then maybe even in your life right now? Right. Well, one thing was, again, to, for me, it was important to exercise. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I just, I just did. And I didn't beat myself up if I missed a day or I didn't do a full workout like I had planned because sometimes things would come up and I'd go outside where I was planning to do my cardio and then it would start to rain or whatever it'd be. We were actually lucky. Paris had mostly nice weather during that time, which is exceptional in the end of winter, beginning of of spring. But um, that was one thing that was really important for me. And I know sleep is very important. And I have to be honest, I didn't uh, sleep as much as I should have. Um, I did take naps when I needed to, but I know for a lot of people it is not for a lot of people, for everyone, it's important. And I recognize that, but I probably didn't do what I should have with that. The other thing was I was trying to eat healthy, but I also was allowing myself to indulge a little bit because it was one of those, you know what? <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? Life is <laughs> short. And um, I definitely picked up a little you know, pandemic weight. So the last couple of weeks I've been on a pretty strict diet and I'm already getting back to where I was, but yeah, I mean, it just happened. Plus I was sitting more. Yes. You know, I yes. sit a lot anyway, because I'm at my desk. I do a lot of work that's written, preparing my presentations, all that. But I definitely was sitting, I was so much more sedentary and, you know, I felt the difference. Yes. So it's important to recognize it, to get up, give yourself posture breaks, you know, things like that. Also change change the scenery. So even just the, the idea, as much as I didn't want to go out and go to the supermarket, because it was those early days when it was a little bit scary, mm-hmm. so good to get out and change, you know, a little bit of your, your surroundings. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I love this. Life's too short. Eat the chocolate croissant. Yeah. Well, yeah no, I, I indulged, you know, <laughs> when I was eating. No, but I definitely did. Not crazy, yeah. but you know, yeah. But I think that's so important, right? Especially for us in our profession, we are we are living a healthy lifestyle. We do try to role model. It is important. That's why we do what we do. But also that permission, like I'm by myself, this is happening. And if and if that croissant or that glass of red wine or the half a bottle of red wine um, is going to get me through, like I'm going to give myself permission today to do that because, and just like you said, you've already like cleaned your act up. You're already like, okay, you know, enough is enough. And you know, we, yeah, when, we I had, have, when I had to film those sessions for Idea Korea, <laughs> I looked I like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, okay, diet tomorrow. No, seriously, the camera doesn't like, lie. <laughs> and, you know, it's starting to come off and I'm feeling much better, but it was like, whoa, okay, like we cannot let this go any farther. <laughs> so. Have you, have you noticed anything? I'm going to like use the term energy. Have you noticed any? like shift in your energy. Like I know for me, spending a lot of time online energetically is draining. So physically it's not right. Cause we're sitting and we're not doing anything, but it's still, there's still an energy exchange at some, at some point. And for some people it's more costly than others, right? Some people can put up a guard yeah. and it doesn't phase them and other people, literally it's sucking the life out of them. So do you have an experience or a, or a thought either way? Yeah, How did- I, I'm pretty good with, you know, keeping my energy up and, uh, I, I recognize when I'm really, really exhausted, but I, I found between COVID-19 what's happening, you know, what was happening here in France, personally with my life, my friends, all that, then what was happening in the States. 
and also just the whole political climate right now, because in fact, I am American and I do follow politics very closely. It's been exhausting. Yeah. You know, a combination of a lot of things. And I don't mm-hmm. matter. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. So it's just, it's, you know, and the world is in a, in a flux. And so it has been, you know, somewhat energy, you know, sucking. If I can say. Um, it's really interesting because right before it was, we, we locked down, I want to say locked down on, I think the 17th of March, it was a Tuesday, St. Patty's day. And I went to dinner with a friend of mine who's Korean American who lives here and probably about five days before. And that was the last person that I actually went out to dinner with. And I remember her saying to me, we're going through a shift and okay. said, there's going to be a before and an after mm. because everything is ref- going to be referred to pre COVID during obviously and after COVID. And we're not in after COVID, but we're, for example, here in France, we're post-lockdown or post-confinement. You know, and so when you think about that in terms of energy, there is a whole shift of energy. And some of it's been negative and some of it's going to be positive. But there's a movement happening. And I think we're going to be in that movement for a while. So in that sense, you just need to be aware of it too because – we're going, to need, we're going to need a lot of energy as we're going forward on right. all different levels, on all different levels. You yeah. Know? And again, I don't want to paint a negative picture because I think there's always my dad, when I was a young kid and something I always, you know, live by is something good always comes out of something bad and it's a cliche, but it's, it is really true. And doesn't mean that the bad part isn't going to be bad and isn't going to be difficult, but you can see the good out of it after. And when you look back on something, you say, yeah, that was a really tough time, but as a result, I came out of it this way or as this type of person. And so I feel that COVID-19, without it being a cliche, the same thing, there is going to be a lot of good as a result. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. And unfortunately, a lot of people are suffering right now and it's going to be a tough time. Yeah. But we're going to all, we already are learning from it and we're going to continue to learn from it. And I, I truly believe that. I mean, that's not just for this, you know, interview we're having today that's really i feel it's yeah you know when when you you're you're able to actually express it you realize what's going on so i think it's okay to have these mixed feelings to sometimes be a little bit sad and other times you're like well life's good but it's gonna be up and down a little bit and you know it's kind of like when you look at a steady state and cardio exercise you you have these high ups and downs but Uh if you look at average across that's kind of what's going to happen i think with covid you know, it all it all comes back to your respiratory therapy days. Well, kind of. I mean, to, when I, and you know, it's the first time I'm saying this. I didn't I didn't like practice this before before we came online, but it's true. You know, there are those moments. But when you look out somewhere, there's going to be a steady state wherever it is, and it's a little bumpy. But um, you have these highs and these lows. Yeah. And still, you know, I still have those because right now I'm seeing my work. You know, it's been work has been quiet. And it's not that I'm not getting contacted by people and, and a lot of discussions about different work opportunities, but all my international travel right now is still going to be on hold for a while. Right. And, you know, okay, great that there might be some virtual conferences, but 
any of the uh, in-person events are definitely on hold worldwide for a while. So, yeah. And that's know. a hard adjustment, not, not just financially and then physically like, so you're, you and I are similar in that the travel piece is what calls to us, right? We get to do our business and have these amazing travel because we take advantage and we love learning about new cultures and people and right. It's the whole thing. So you're losing that piece. You're losing the finance piece, but so it's that mental, yeah. it's the mental thing. You're like, Oh my gosh, here I am in my apartment. And the same thing, like, okay, I'm going to do a, a zoom, you know, I'm presenting at a conference in October via Zoom. You know, you'll we're gonna do it. The show goes on, right? And so we're happy for those connections and those opportunities. And people are still, you know, fitness works, they're still giving us money, but um, but it's not the yeah. same. But, but I just I love what your dad said and what you shared. I mean, I just think it's so important to remember as hard as it is to ride this thing out that it, but it will just like anything else like we will we will get through to the other side it might take a little yep. bit of time and there's always a cost right and so some people are it's costing some people more than others meaning you know their their loved ones and you know yeah, physically or being right. sick themselves but um yeah but I mean, it, was, it was also just two things i wanted to bring up it was funny when you mentioned respiratory therapy again i don't practice i haven't practiced respiratory th therapy in years but what was really interesting for me as well in the beginning of this was to see the importance of respiratory therapists in, mm -hmm. you know, the, the battle against COVID-19. So that was really wild for me as well to understand the behind the scenes, having worked in hospitals, especially the Boston teaching hospitals, and also knowing what goes on in the intensive care units and all that. But um, there was another thing that you just mentioned about the Zoom calls and everything. One thing that I want to share, because again, I'm not sure of who all of your listeners are. I know it's a varied group of people. But one thing that I didn't do, Tammy, in the beginning was I didn't immediately jump online to do free offerings of classes mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And I'm not at all criticizing anyone that did, because I understand people all of a sudden went from one day to the next with their livelihood completely cut off. I wasn't in that position. But I also felt like I didn't want to just kind of you know wing it and go online and start doing all this stuff because then i thought well then how one am i going to start charging for things eventually and then what happens once we get back to some sort of normal normality and i have to stop it and people are used to getting free and just all these different things and plus what i started seeing that a lot of the quality wasn't so good and again it is not at all a criticism it's an observation because i know everyone was in survival mode but I think that that was a lesson that I learned that also I followed my instincts that I didn't want to do that because I also felt like to some extent, you know, I want to protect my brand, whatever that is. Um, and I also wanted to look more, you know, down the road and, and mm -hmm. have a, more of a, a strategy for moving forward. And I'm still right now, you know, working through that. Luckily, I have a couple of small jobs that are sustaining me, but I, I, I need to, I, I am now thinking about different ways of generating income because I know that some of my regular, you know, ways of making income are, are on hold for the moment. Yeah. So I'm doing the same thing, but I'm taking the time now to be a little bit more strategic. Yes, I have the, the opportunity to do that. I know it's not easy for everyone, but that's a lesson I think a lot of people have learned and will learn from this is that you never know from one day to the next what's going to happen. So you need to be a little bit prepared. Yeah. You know, so, and that's been tough for, for people that live 
week to week and paychecks. I mean, I understand all that. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know. You're right. So many fitness professionals, if they're not teaching their 20 classes a week, they're not getting paid. Yeah. So, you know, just in our industry, there was the gamut of people like instantly on Instagram live, Facebook live, like just throwing stuff out there. And again, kudos to them in so many ways. Like it was so draining for me. Like I couldn't go there either. It took, I'm, I'm getting same thing. I'm getting to a place, but I think, you know, I, I had a similar reaction, but you're right. It is a huge lesson because a lot of what, what we were doing wasn't intentional. You know, you're saying you have to be strategic. Like it is, it is the integrity of what you do and what you produce. And if we had that moment of panic or you had that moment of panic and now you're backtracking to kind of clean it up or to then reroute it would have taken even more energy. So at least by waiting that out uh, and you having that forethought. So again, whether you did that innately, whether you did that by saying, Hey, I, I got to wait a minute. You know, you, you are lucky that you were one of the few that, that did that because, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah it's, I, I felt that way, even though again, my work has been affected too. It's not like I'm rolling in the dough here and just, you mm-hmm. know, but, um, I was lucky that I didn't have to do that, but yeah, of course I thought the same thing. Then I thought, okay, well now if I start, start offering things online, what's going to make me stand out? different you know so that's those are the things that went through my mind and are now as well as i move forward if i'm going to need to do some online work which i think is fine listen that's the way of the world right now there's always going to be online no matter if people get back to the gym or studio you know studios open or you're doing personal training outside or whatever it be athletic training and going back to universities etc but i you know you need to also be be unique in what you're you're offering and that's what I'm also right now spending some time thinking about and making some decisions. So, you know, be interesting. Well, I, I think it's worth it because I just knowing you and what you already produce, your stuff does stand out and it is unique. So I think by you putting that intentionality behind it, when you are ready to make that step, whatever it is, people you, are going to say, Oh, Oh, did you tell everyone that there was a $5 donation for this? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm but we, we will add that at the bottom. Everyone, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I would never do that to you. Yeah, I love everyone, it. whoever's listening, no, you cannot do that. I love it. But, you know, they're going to have your social media contact. So, you know, if you get some right, Venmo, if you have a Venmo account, they might be finding you. Who knows? No. <laughs> I, want to, I want to ask one kind of, I guess, serious-ish question. Um I, f- I find in general that most of us, and so this is not assuming that you're like that and this is an exploration, but most of us have a hard time being a good friend to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We're very good and kind, like you have your friend around the corner and if your friend called on that day and they were down on themselves or their profession or how they were handling, you would step up as the friend. And I'm not saying you're sugarcoating things, but you're there as the voice of reason. Like you will get through this, just take a deep breath today. You're going to be fine. I give you permission to be here. So we're usually, most of us are good friends, but are we a good friend to ourselves? So I guess I'm asking, especially in this time, it's one of those moments where we see and if we show up for ourselves and what that looks like and can, and, and so I guess, A, are you your own good friend? And then even if you're not as your own friend right now, what advice are you going to give yourself today? (laughs) That's a very interesting question. And, um, in, in retrospect, having since it was the beginning of, uh, of March. So we're going back five months. I'd say there were times, yes, I was a good friend to myself and other times, not that I wasn't a good friend, but I was feeling alone. 
Mm-hmm. Not as often, I have to say, but um, I think so. Maybe even when I was talking earlier a bit earlier about um, just kind of indulging and eating what I wanted, that was kind of the first thing. Like it's okay, you know. No, you actually look good. You look fine. You ain't gaining weight. Um, <laughs> that is a true best friend moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you sure these sweatpants I've been wearing for the last two months like, they don't look like they're getting tighter? Um, but no, it's a, it's an interesting question because I, I never thought about that. And again, like in retrospect, yes. And I think now even I'm being probably a better friend to myself mm-hmm. than I was because also it's been an evolution over the last five months and I'm in a different place with this. I'm more comfortable with the situation here with wearing masks and going out and doing all the social distancing and things that I was like kind of freaked out in the beginning, not, not, not wanting to wear a mask, but that, you know, just even going to the supermarket, I was wearing gloves. I mean, we were really strict here and now I'm feeling more comfortable. So it's, if it's that friend saying like, yeah, it's actually, you're doing a good job. You're, 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 you're making the right decisions. I mean, I can, I can see that now. So, but you know, you, you have the moment, you have your moments where you still might feel alone and mm-hmm. you don't have a friend in the world, even though, you know, I have a lot of friends. So, yeah. Um, so interesting. yeah. yeah. It, and I think that's so true for most of us, right? We could have all the friends in the world, but in that moment, when you're in your apartment in Paris by yourself, watching the world happening outside, it's hard to not feel isolated, right? For any of us, no matter wh- where it is. Um, but it is, I just in in the work that I do and in the contact, I, I the contacts that I come across, I just find that people beat themselves up all the time. And, and especially in a time like this, I found myself like, oh, that person's doing that online and they've, they've figured out this platform or they figured, you should be doing this. I'd wake up every day like, you have to do this and why are you not? And I was doing other things productively. Like I have multiple jobs. I mean, I have my main job on campus, which I was trying to do my, my official work, but then my fitness life was like, you should be doing this. So I know that it's hard to kind of talk myself off that ledge and be like, you're enough. And that's what I would tell a friend of mine and, and anybody else. If we had this conversation, I would have been like, take your time, Fred. Like, why would you rush into it? And you're right. But we don't say that to ourselves. So, you know, in the beginning, I actually did to some extent because what, but, but I have to say the help with that was knowing that living here in France, we have good health care. Mm. The government stepped right up and, you felt like if you got sick or, you know, you lose your job, you did have help. So I allowed myself to go to that place that it's like, okay, it's okay. If I'm not working right now, it's okay. You know, that I don't have things coming in and my future is completely unknown. So it was interesting that that really helped because I, I, I sympathize with people in the States. And again, I'm American, so I understand that. But what, what I had forgot about is, you know, to, to tell your listeners, I've been here 31 years. Wow. So, you know, it's a long time. Yeah, 31 years. Wow. And so when I would hear about all the people being laid off in the States and they lost their health care, that was like devastating to me because I forget. I forget about that. I forget that it's tied in. And so I was in a different situation. And I also realized I was very lucky to some extent here because our, our system is just different and it's not perfect, but you know, at least, you know, we're taken care of if we, if we got sick. So, um, yeah, it was 
really interesting thing to, to be watching all this stuff going on. And, and it was eye-opening. Yeah, I bet. But so nice that you are in a place where at least you can say to yourself, I'm supported. Like this yeah. isn't where I imagine, and all of us are saying this, this isn't what I imagined for my life in 2020 or where I was going, the trajectory, like we've all been derailed, but I'm going to be okay. And so yeah. Yeah. that's, that's great. You could say that. Well, I would say that to some of my friends too. Mm. Some of my friends here, I have a really good friend actually who I knew in Boston. She used to take my classes there, Lizanne. And she moved here about a year before I did and uh, is married to a French guy, has two kids, were born here, and she's a photographer. Okay. She did some of the photos that you'll, like on my website and, and things like that when people go to it. And she was freaking out, and I understood it because the same thing. All of her jobs, uh, she, she does fashion shoots, and mm. even like for magazines sometimes, everything was canceled. And the same thing. And she's like, what am I going to do? And so a few times I had to calm her down. She said, Lizanne, for the moment, look at we're all in this together. Like everyone goes to the same thing. Okay, you're not being able to do your jobs, but either are the models, either are the magazines, either are, you know, whoever you're working for. And as hard as that is to accept, it was also saying like, we're all in this together. Right. And we'll all move out of it together in one way or another. You know? Yeah, it is interesting. And we can even expand that out, right? It's so unique that this is actually the world, right? Yeah. So things happen and it's it's here. It's what's happening now in our community or now it's in your country, but this is in the world. So yeah. it does put a whole different perspective on it. One last question, because I don't want to take up any more of your time. It's almost, you probably are starving and it's time no, for you okay. to eat dinner. Oh, that's right. I forget. The European way. go to the gym after this, so. Oh, okay, great. Well, I won't keep you much longer, but I have no, one no, more question. No, no. Just looking forward now, um, what do you what do you aspire to do better at? What what's one goal that you have? Whether things are immediately better every day, day by day, or whether we actually we don't know. We might have setbacks where things might have to regress a little bit, and we might be a little more confined than now we've been used to. So we really don't know. We're taking this day by day. But what is maybe one thing that you now with your perspective, think that you're going to be better at moving forward? Mm, another interesting question. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I've already been good at this to some extent, but I'm hoping to be better at is just actually doing that, taking it day by day and taking advantage of, of life. Because as you know, with all the travel you've done and what I've done, I've taken advantage of these great opportunities to learn about other cultures and visit places. And even in Paris, you know, just discovering what a great city it is. And there's so much to do here, but to just take advantage of each day because you just never know there isn't, mm -hmm. there isn't a guarantee. And also for myself, because, you know, I'm no longer, you know, a young kid and, even though I feel like I'm going to live a long time, I'd like to make sure that I'm not wasting those years that are in front of me. And it, it would be easy to stay in, stay in, watch, you know, Netflix or whatever more just because people aren't out as much and there's more restrictions, but I don't want to go down that pathway because I think that it's important to be social and mm -hmm. it's important to be curious and, uh, just take advantage of what life has to offer. That doesn't mean I have to be out every night, you know, at a cafe or bar or restaurant, but just to be taking advantage of things, you know? Right. 
So some of that might take a concerted effort, but um, it's something that I'm, I, I've been thinking about because it, it, it is easy to just get into a routine of kind of staying put and especially yeah. having had to, having that put on you, mm-hmm. it was easier to just say, well, I can't go out anyway. And then once I could, it was like, well, I'm okay home. And I didn't want to get into that place. Yeah. You know? So I love that. It's, it's hard. It's hard work. It's, it's definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Luckily it's been nice weather. So, um, but as we go into fall, that's something I need to be conscious about as well, you know, to right. get out. Yeah. I, I definitely think that for us too here, especially where I am in Connecticut, you know, winter comes and my winter instinct is I get home at, you know, five, five fifteen if I get home that early, but it's dark. So pajamas are on and like dinner is a formality to go to bed, you know, like, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think we're fortunate that, that when for us, this happened, it was on the back end and it was yeah. towards spring. So our days were getting lighter and, and more beautiful instead of the heaviness. So it's, it might be more work, but we know, I think if we can, we can know, and we can set some of these things up, like all of the things that you've shared and like just these little, little tips and ways that, you know, we don't always realize the things that we do that, that are um, supporting what we need and that we're moving forward with that. And, and I think it's just important to look outside your own view of just, this is how I care for myself. So no. you did definitely gave us some cool ideas and I hope, um, I know it's a lot of work, but I hope you will continue to post your, your stories, yeah, daily journals. So if someone wants to find Fred on Facebook, you can go back and look at the whole history. You could read his yeah, novel yeah. now. Now it's a novel of day by day. I'm, I'm archiving those. So I, I, might I, mean, that. I gotta figure that out. Maybe I can make my millions from my my, my confinement and post-confinement book. You, know, so. you could publish it. I mean, it is pretty cool. It, yeah. it had pictures as well. So um, anyway, Fred Hoffman, thank you so much. Like we don't get to see each other very often. You know, we are connected yes. via Facebook, but what a pleasure to get to spend some time with you. I, I've been saying like as the host, I'm selfishly just connecting with people that I really want to chat <laughs> with. Um, and and well, so you were top on you. my list. Oh. Tammy, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm flattered and it's been a pleasure for me and I hope that people listening will get some ideas and, you know, just uh, get some positive feelings about life and what's going on and that, you know, we all come forward in in a good way. Absolutely. All the way from Paris, France, right? To to yeah. wherever someone else is Hopefully listening. Come and visit. <laughs> oh, I, you don't have to ask me twice ever. <laughs> Um, Fred, thank you again. I really appreciate your time. We are grateful to you. Stay well. Okay, you too, Tammy. Thanks so much. My sincere gratitude to all of you for tuning in this week. Hopefully you enjoyed the conversation with Fred and found some words of wisdom or tidbits that you can put into your own life to practice self-care and to move forward in trying in our pursuit to live our best life, which is never easy on, on any given day. I need to give a big thank you also to the, the crew that makes me sound good. And that is Michael Bachman, the producer, David DeRoche, the executive producer, and thank you for the theme music, Scott Holmes. You can find more about Quinnipiac University podcasts on qu.edu slash podcast. You can listen on any platform or app of your choice. And please follow us on Twitter or Instagram at QU Podcasts. We are open to your emails and feedback at QU Podcasts 
at qu.edu. Please come back next week and join me as I have as our guest, Sophia Marshall. And Sophia is a rising senior at Quinnipiac University and the first female student body president that we have. So shifting perspective, we've got a younger view on navigating self-care today and and in every day. And she has a lot of wisdom to impart. She is wise beyond her years. So please stop in and join us as you get to meet and get acquainted with Sophia Marshall. See you next week. And until then, be intentional, breathe deep, and learn to be your own best friend.